Before we get to this week's episode of Childhood Ruined, just wanted to thank everyone for checking out the podcast and to let you know that this week we are going to be talking quite a bit about the Motley Crue book and film that recently showed up on Netflix, The Dirt. Chris and I spend quite a bit of time talking about Motley Crue, their antics, their crimes, and what it means to listen to their music these days. So we dive into some of the complicated questions about that, about how to separate art from the artists that create it, and can you or should you do that? Um, so we sort of take a deep dive in, into the dirt here. I read the book uh, this past month, and we both saw the movie. Chris has not read the book, but um, the movie is quite faithful in some spots, certain scenarios that are also mentioned in the book. In general, I think the proclivities of Motley Crue are well documented over the years. So we talk about growing up in the 80s, what it was like to first be exposed to their music, and then subsequently how our relationship with that music has changed, given that we know a lot more about their behavior. And just in general, how does that apply to other artists that we consume and have a relationship with? So I think it's an interesting conversation. I think it's something that we should all be mindful of. You know, what are we listening to? What are we watching? And really, what are we celebrating? And I think we both had some strong reactions to the way this movie has been marketed and almost a celebration of this behavior and how all this gets wrapped up in the nostalgia of things. So it's it's a really good conversation. We're uh, joking about some other topics as well. As always, Chris pokes fun at some of my some of my taste and choice of words, and I actually get into defending the the actor who portrayed Jar Jar Binks. So the conversation goes in a few interesting directions. So I really hope you listen to it. And once again, if you have any feedback for us, uh, you can certainly hit us up on Twitter. I'm at the IDM, and Chris is at GeekZinga. So uh, settle in. We kind of stretched our legs with this one. Uh, took a little bit of time to cover this topic. And uh, you'll hear a few samples of, of Motley Crue piped into the back. So if you ever had any kind of relationship with, with Motley Crue and their music, I think this podcast uh, will be for you and you'll find some thoughts worthy to ponder. Enjoy. <laughs> Michael Mallon, and joining me as always is Chris Benefield. Chris, how are you? I am doing well. How about yourself? There was a pretty significant snowstorm here in the middle of April. Yep. I was up early snow plowing and shoveling, and it wasn't fun, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I just pretended it wasn't happening all day because I had the day off from school. Um and then I went out to get my haircut this evening and uh, discovered that because I hadn't shoveled my driveway, somebody, even though there was a car sitting right there, just assumed that they could park there. So so that was pretty sweet. Nice. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I had I was actually on the road quite a bit today because I had to drive into work and then drive back and pick up my wife because her car was probably not well suited for inches of slush on the road. Mm-hmm. Drive her to work and drive back and you've made fun of me multiple times in the past for having to drive a long distance for a haircut, which I had to do tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right after a blizzard, when there's high winds, it's definitely a time that you should drive, you know, 30 minutes to get your haircut. It's 25. Oh, whoa, 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 sorry. Uh, it's a family friend, and the roads are fine at the moment. Everything's, for the most part, melted. Yeah, I mean, they're fine by Minnesota standards. Yes, you are correct. Yes, yeah. Uh, the other big thing today is I, I splurged on some some concert tickets for the summer. Excited about that. Mm-hmm. Excited to see two performers that I've always wanted to see. Fits in the tantrums, and uh, I always butcher the name. Rancators. Uh, Rancators. Yes. I've always wanted to see Jack White in some capacity. Right. Oh, he's done solo tours in the past, and I think this is their first tour with this band in a while. So I'm I'm real. Yep. Real excited about that. And uh, am I accompanying you to either of these? Am I where am I ranking on this? Uh, well, we're talking about that. I think I think my wife is going to go with me to the, the Jack White in depth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And certainly, if you're interested in going to Fits in the Tantrums at First Avenue, which I believe we've talked about that venue before on the show yep. here in the Twin Cities, uh, you are welcome. And one of our friends might join us. She okay. is, she is interested. So all right, cool. So yeah, I'm excited for that in the summer, and I know you had a recent trip to Atlanta, which sounded like it was a good time. Good to see some old uh, friends. <laughs> yes, yes it was. Shout out to the people in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's back to the blizzardness of Minnesota. Right, back to life, back to reality. So one of the things we've been circling around in recent weeks is... Digging into the dirt, we've been thinking about this podcast for a while. We've touched on this subject in a few other episodes mm-hmm. of talking about artists, the art they, they create, and our relationship with both the art and the artist, especially mm-hmm. when the artist does something we don't really like right. or enjoy. Right. And perhaps nothing personifies this better than Motley Crue. And The Dirt was a movie that just came out on Netflix, I think, last month. came out in mm-hmm. late March. Yep. And that is based on a book that came out. I wanted to look up the date because that book's been out for quite some time. Yeah. Let me look that up here real quick. I meant to. It's exciting podcasting right here. Oh, absolutely. Originally published in May of 2001. So. Yeah. 18 years ago, this book has been out. And I do remember when it came out that it was a big deal that I think Vince Neal was on MTV and talking about uh, you're going to get all the details you wanted about the crew and all that stuff. And I remember thinking, like, I should read that. That's probably an interesting book. Just never got around to it. So I read Mm -hmm. it over the past month. I'm not a fast Mm -hmm. fast reader. So. So I wanted to read the book, read the book, and then I saw the movie. And that's typically mm-hmm. how I approach things. I remember when The Martian came out, I wanted to read the book, which I read. Then I saw the movie. Did that with Lord of the Rings, even though I should have read Lord of the Rings much earlier in life, but didn't read it until 
closer to the movies coming out. Oh wow, you're you're defriended. I know. It's, well, between that and how they treated Gimli and our disagreements about that. <laughs> so I read the book, which is incredibly eye opening, even yeah. if you sort of know hearsay about Motley Crue's. I mean, shenanigans is too light of a word. Yes. They are criminals. There's no <laughs> real, <laughs> right. real other way to, to put it. Mm -hmm. And then there was this movie, and the movie certainly gives a lot of details and vignettes of some of the drug use, violence, uh, and other things that that band got up to. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to get your thoughts. It definitely, I mean, the whole thing sort of romanticizes the whole idea. Right. Which is something since reading the book, which is much more, I think, visceral of an experience. And maybe mm -hmm. if I hadn't read the book, then the movie would have been more shocking to me. Mm -hmm. um, but the movie's picks and chooses different vignettes from the, from the book and just right. uh, translates them into film. But it, it just brings up this whole topic of, you know, I grew up with Motley Crue's music, and I remember even back in the 80s when, like, some of my brother's friends were really into them and Iron Maiden and other other bands like that, and it just seemed like, whoa, you like Motley Crue? <laughs> mm. There was a dangerousness to them, mm -hmm. which certainly seems warranted. Mm -hmm. But it, the music's always felt just I was trying to find the right word. And as I was listening on my 20 minute drive back and forth to my haircut, I was <laughs> listening to Motley Crue, like early Motley Crue. Yeah. And there's just there's a dirtiness to it that I think was mm -hmm. alluring to a lot of people. And certainly the band's behavior fed into that. And, you know, it went on for, you know, a good decade. So, yeah, what. What are your whole thoughts, just in general, about Motley Crue, even before we get into the, the dirt? Sure. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a little bit to unpack. Like, I, I've told a couple people as uh, we talked about the dirt and just kind of memories that it brings up. I remember um, I moved to Atlanta. I was in a, uh, fourth grade. And my first, like, good friend was, like, two years, two grades ahead of me and maybe two years older than me. And anyway, uh, and he was a big influence on what music I was listening to. Like I had been listening to kind of whatever pop was on the radio and Michael Jackson and things like that. And as soon as we started hanging out he was like, Hey, here's Led Zeppelin and Van Halen. <laughs> and it just kind of went from there. So I can remember, um, uh, wanting to go trick-or-treating and you know i'm in fourth grade he's in sixth grade so he's feeling a little old for it and uh i don't i think i was i think i was like jedi luke skywalker with like the brown cloak uh and he just dressed up like a member of motley crew <laughs> and brought his boom box and just played the album shout at the devil the whole time that we were trick-or-treating <laughs> so the neighborhood loved us assuredly um and, you know, I, it's not like I think of Motley Crue as being like one of the there you go, nice. one of the the great bands of our time. But as this song very much personifies, like for just like a riff based, you know, original 
hard rock, heavy metal, like, you know, this song is sweet. Like, I, I still feel something when I hear that song to this day. So, so to, I go, a, to go back to the vault episode, you don't feel like it needs to be vaulted. No, no I, I don't want to vault Shout of the Devil at all. Um, and so, you know, I've had this sort of affinity for especially that album. And um, I mean, it's funny because they talk about how terrible Theater of Pain is, like the band critiquing it themselves in the movie. And like, I'm pretty much in agreement on on that other than, you know, Home Sweet Home's pretty sweet in its own way but then you know girls 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 um you know that was like a soundtrack to certain parts of my life and they're very upfront about that in the book too which i thought was interesting that that made it into the movie yeah where and nikki talks very openly about we have no memory of recording those albums right <laughs> we were so drunk so high mm-hmm. so incapacitated and we slapped together songs, and each album had one or two songs that were actually quite good. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the album is just filler. I mean, trash is a strong word, but right. I mean, that's kind of their words. They talk about it in the book of like this, these albums were not very good. Yeah. Um, and so, even up to like, by the time Dr. Feel Good came out, like, I was definitely into other music at that point where I had a little bit more of a conflicted <laughs> relationship with that record, but like Dr. Feel Good is a really good song. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was kind of my feeling about the band. Like they're never, they've never been something to take seriously, which I think is a little bit why they, it's one of the aspects for kind of why I think they've been able to get away with some of what they got away with. Like they are a caricature of bad rock and roll behavior, which has become such a like cliche expected thing for that genre, especially for like people our age, I think, and younger, like that sort of bad behavior sort of came with the territory and as you said was even celebrated i think i've mentioned before like reading hammer of the gods one of the led zeppelin biographies when i was in seventh grade (laughs) much to the horror of my teacher that said we had to read a biography um but (laughs) you know same thing uh it's like the bad behavior is celebrated like they on the one hand, I, I appreciate their honesty and calling some of the things that happened what they were when they when they wrote the book. But it's also kind of like they know they're going to get away with it and they kind of know that people want to hear that and that it sort of enhances a reputation that they sort of always strove to have. So. Yeah, and it's interesting because some of the chapters in the dirt are from their manager or handler i don't know what the best word is Uh, (laughs) doc uh yeah so that guy's in the movie and he has some of the same quotes but in the book he talks about managing other bands Mm -hmm. and how some of the other bands like poison and other kind of big groups of that era they sort of acted out because it's what they thought they were supposed to do like you're Mm -hmm. saying have that rock and roll attitude Mm -hmm. and he's like molly crew wasn't like that they were just motley crew (laughs) 
<laughs> that's just what they did. It's not right. like they were trying to live up to any kind of expectation. They were doing this stuff before they got famous. And then once they got famous, it just got turned up mm-hmm. really loud. Um, there's mm-hmm. stories in the book very early on about, I think what they called the Motley house. Right. And it's very early on in the movie where they, you know, show some of the shenanigans there. Again, they say shenanigans. It's way worse than that. Huh? Right. And they, I think it's Nikki's chapter or Tommy, because the, the chapters are written from the perspective of like one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I think there's a ghostwriter that's probably helping them, but. <laughs> you think. Yeah. But I mean, they have very distinct voices. So it's, yeah. it's clear that Nikki is the creative guy. Yeah. His chapters are the longest. They're the most eloquent. Mm-hmm. Mick really feels like you're reading someone from a different planet. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. It is. Yeah. It's like even they're usually quite brief. Mm-hmm. And usually there's one or two sentences in there that mm-hmm. you have to read two or three times. Like, wait, did he just say that? Mm-hmm. It's like kind of bordering on profound, but a little askew. Uh huh. And Tommy is seems just kind of a goofball, and mm-hmm. you know, Vince has his own voice. But yeah, they talk about how there was just a lot of you know group sex and orgies and drugs, and how it was. He basically describes this scene as it was like a WWF tag match, where he's one of them is having sex with a girl in the closet and like tags the other person in without the girl knowing. Mm-hmm. And clearly says like we we raped this girl like mm-hmm. that's not o- not okay right and it's horrible yep like, it's it's reprehensible it's illegal <laughs> it's yeah it's awful and mm-hmm. you know then later on in the book Vince gets drunk and kills somebody and in, seriously injures two other people in a car mm-hmm. accident really didn't serve much jail time. It's still, it's still kind of unclear how that happened. Mm -hmm. So there's like all these events that pile up. Mick almost died from an overdose. Nikki almost died multiple times from an overdose. Mm -hmm. All these guys are, have been through so many different trials and like, they're still here. It's, it's pretty amazing. And, it all leads up to to me, and I, I posted this on Twitter last month as I was reading the book, because when I read this sentence, it just gobsmacked me. Yeah. So this is Nikki, I would say about two-thirds of the way into the book, where they've already been through uh, Theater of Pain, Girls, Girls, Girls. During the Dr. Feelgood album, they were actually sober, which is probably why that's their strongest album. Mm-hmm. Plus, Bob Rock was you know, producing it. So, right. That does not hurt. That does not hurt. So Nikki writes for 10 solid years, we had been invincible. No one could touch us. Tommy and I had raped a drunk girl in the closet and she had forgotten about it. Vince had killed someone in a car accident and gotten away with it. We had released two albums. We hardly even remembered recording and they still sold like crazy. I had overdosed and forced the cancellation of our European tour and our popularity only increased. Our egos were out of hand. Tommy and I thought, the hell with Vince Neil. He doesn't write a single song, he drinks a lot, and he can be a pain in the ass. 
We thought it was all about us, Nikki and Tommy, the Terror Twins. We forgot that we were a team and Vince was the quarterback. We forgot what made us Motley Crue, the chance collision of four very driven, very flawed, and very different personalities. So I read that paragraph, and when it's summarized mm-hmm. like that, it's just like, oh my goodness. Right? So it makes you think of like how how much cognitive dissonance is there to listen to Shout Out the Devil or Livewire or Kickstart My Heart, Yep. knowing that these individuals who hurt many people yes. created it. Mm-hmm. And that just gets to the heart, I think, of what we're just trying to wrap our heads around. I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, again, on the one hand, I sort of applaud their honesty because I think that while they may be high on the continuum of bad behavior by rock stars or just celebrities in general, like um, they're not at all alone. Um, and a lot of cases, people kind of sweep it under the rug or they use euphemisms for the fact that they're, you know, sleeping with underage women and, you know, all kinds of bad behavior. Well, um, I think, and, you know, one of the most revered bands in the world is the Beatles. Yes. And my sense is there's biographies about them that are, you know, what, yeah, there's profiles of them that are not that kind. Yeah. I mean, I think while John Lennon, over time became someone that really um, strove to be a good person. Um, younger John Lennon, you know, when the Beatles were at their most popular was, you know, not always a great person and, you know, had some really weird, bad attitudes towards groups of people. And, you know, he essentially was a human being. I mean, <laughs> You know, if we want to be honest about it, because almost everybody has flaws, which I think is kind of one of the central questions. And and again, I don't have the answer for and I think I, I don't think anybody has the answer. I think it's just an individual line for each person about kind of like where we're going to draw the line on these things and like what is too much and what's unacceptable and Or even just the basic question of separating the art from the artist. Like, uh, you know, this is something that's been coming up a lot in our, in general, in society because of, uh, you know, the whole Me Too movement and all these things is, excuse me, um, you know, people that had been previously revered for their work um, have come under scrutiny because of people coming forward to expose bad behavior, especially with regards to how they treated women. And I, you know, I don't think there's one right answer when it comes to these things. I do think that if we kind of knew these things about everyone, (laughs) um, that is a celebrity, um, you know, people would have that many more hard choices to make. I think people still kind of like to believe that, a lot of people didn't make mistakes <laughs> along these lines. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm sure lots of them didn't, but I think a lot more did than, than we know about currently. And people have to kind of decide how they, they feel about that. There's a bunch of stuff to unpack there. I'm going to try to remember it all. 
Yeah, so, yep, sorry. I tend to go on these monologues. No, no, same. So I I just think about the different the time we're in and not only like you said the the Me Too movement and I, I think we're mm-hmm. just we're we're smarter mm-hmm. in some way. We just have more awareness of of these things. And also media moves so fast that so Too Fast for Love, Motley Crue's first album comes out in nineteen eighty one. So 1981, there's no internet. There's Mm -hmm. a a few magazines that Mm -hmm. cater to heavy metal, rock and roll music. There's Rolling Stone. Like what? What are the other major outlets at that point? And there's Rolling Stone. There's Cream. There's uh, what's the heavy metal one? I used to get it from my guitar teacher. Yeah, it was just. I think it was just called Parade. By the time I was reading it. So, yeah, so, like, a song like Livewire comes out, mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, like, oh, my, what's this? And then you hear, like, oh, there's this band out in L.A., Motley Crue, and, like, you don't really get to know them. It's not like they have Twitter accounts or a Facebook page. There might <laughs> be, you know what I mean? It's just, like, you hear about it through hearsay. You're listening yep. to their songs. maybe, Or Brian, Brian Nash tells you about them. Yeah, like maybe it's played on the radio or your friend has a cassette tape mm-hmm. or something. So just you didn't have information and you could build up a mythology in your head of who these people were and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And certainly their costumes and the snippets of stories you would hear about them were just feeding into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, their second album in 83 is called Shout the Devil. <laughs> and has the has the pentagram on the front like it's like... You know, at the moment that there was so much fear about that kind of stuff, like both uh, music as well as like D and D being a, a thing of the devil, oh, yeah, like, right, right around mm-hmm. that satanic panic. Exactly. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's a total calculated move on their part. Like, there's nothing about them with that, you know, or even in their music, other than they had one song called "Shout of the Devil" that deals with these things. It was just like, if we do this, people will be scared of it. Yeah, there is a there is a segment in the book where, and I realize the book is also part of that self presentation. I wonder like how mm-hmm. much of this is legit, how much of it is them making up stories. I believe most of it because they it just feeds it, it. It seems like it's consistent with them. Right. There, there, the one part that really stuck out to me was I think Lita Ford was with Nikki Six for a while. They were living together and dating and doing drugs together and whatnot um and the manager went over there and said he saw stuff levitating and sticking into the walls like because they were getting hardcore into satanism (laughs) and and he was like you really need to leave this stuff alone it's getting scary like that's the one part of the book that felt really hokey Mm -hmm. they were trying to put something out there Mm -hmm. um so yeah anyway like those those first albums Like, we didn't know all this stuff, to my knowledge, right. back then. So you, you build up a fandom, you, you kind of culti- cultivate a following. Mm-hmm. And once you get that following, it brings up, you know, something Trump said when he's campaigning of like, you know, I can shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and you people are still going to show up and cheer me. Mm-hmm. And I think that idea of fandom is you just get locked in. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, like what could... What could come out 
about the members of Motley Crue where you just say, you know what, I'm never listening to their music again? What would have to come out? Could anything come out? I, I mean, yeah, I, I sure, I'm sure there's, there's things. I mean, again, like I don't begrudge anyone whatever line in the sand they want to draw on these things. I mean, uh, we can, we can get into my guy Ryan Adams later if you want. I mean, recently there's been, um, you know, the new documentary about Michael Jackson that's mm-hmm. been changing a lot of people's minds again about that. And I, again, like I don't begrudge anyone, whatever, however they want to feel about that, because you're and and again, part of what I was trying to get at it is like your relationship with some artists is different than others. Like some people you do kind of feel like, you know, them and sometimes who they are or who you think they are is really important to why you like them. And therefore learning about bad behavior that goes against that is really important to whether you want to like them or listen to their music or support their art and other people just not so much. And, um, but again, that's just kind of, you know, my feeling like, and I do also think that there for me is some, I don't even know what word to use. Like forgiveness is the wrong word, but whatever grace i i don't know um for people that are 20 something and suddenly have a ton of money and are super famous and make really stupid decisions because i do feel like anyone that hasn't been in that situation that sits there and tells you that they wouldn't make a lot of terrible decisions (laughs) in that situation are being willfully ignorant and by no means excuses the behavior in any way shape or form um i would certainly feel more comfortable with the fact that you know vince neal had had to do a lot more to atone for the fact that he committed manslaughter but at the same time like i i do think that you know it's kind of like people are always on professional athletes about decisions that they make and i'm always kind of like I mean, this guy is 23 and suddenly been handed a $50 million contract. Like, sort of, what did you expect? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and those guys in the, the early 80s were, I think, like, Tommy was still 19 or not. Mm-hmm. 19 year olds know, should know enough not to assault people, to commit violence and, and rape. I agree, but even, clear. It, even, even there, what people deemed to be acceptable in 1980 is pretty different from what people deemed to be acceptable today. And that's a, a good thing that is for the better. But, you know, that is kind of one of the things that I sometimes am uncomfortable with, with these things is we sort of want to retroactively apply where we are right now to, 40 years ago and and feel like people should have done better and yeah they they should have like it's but they also lived in a different time where people didn't really hold them accountable in the same ways that we would now which again it doesn't excuse it it doesn't make it okay it doesn't make it better but it just it's you know it's part of the the story and that's one of the other things i wanted to pick your brain about is 
can Motley Crue happen now? In today's TMZ, you sort of know everything about everybody in Vine. Right. Can can a band, can a performer like that exist? And this is old man talking because I'm sure there's a lot of artists now that maybe people are screaming like, of course, this is this person and that person. But like it does the same kind of rock and roll bad boy thing still still work? Well, I mean, my first answer is I hope not because it's kind of stupid. I mean, just setting aside the morality of it and whatnot, like it's kind of it's dumb, bad behavior. Um, but I do think there is still sort of that aesthetic to, you know, that type of music. And so I think there is still a percentile of an audience that sort of expects and maybe even in an unhealthy way sort of wants that from their their rock or metal band type performers. I would say some of it is is just probably not going to work because of the way our media works these days versus when <laughs> they became a band. So who would who who would even fall into that category? It doesn't even have to be a rock band. It could be a hip hop artist, rap artist. Could be. I mean, Rocket seems like just as it's a category seems to be not as strong these days. But again, this is old man me talking. It doesn't listen to much yeah. music. Yeah. Well, and and here's the thing. I'm not the best person to answer that question either because I, for the most part, am not that interested in the personal lives of the people whose music I listen to. Like that sort of creating an image doesn't matter much to me like I, I don't we've talked about it before like i admire a lot of artists for the art that they make like celebrity does nothing for me like i just don't care um so i, I don't really trade in like celebrity gossip or read stories about bad behavior of bands so i don't know um i mean i certainly know that the you know i see bits and pieces of like people in hip-hop and whatnot i mean obviously there's <laughs> the r kelly situation that's been ongoing not that he's necessarily recent but he had still been performing and putting out new music until pretty recently so and obviously he has crossed some lines that are are going to probably land him in jail so has there been has there been an artist that you've just decided you know what Listening to the listening to the music now is too complicated, so I'm just not doing it. Like where you found out something about them. I'm trying to think. Like, I don't or a, feel. Or a filmmaker, or an actor, or some type of art where you've decided, you know what, I I just can't do it. I mean, the short answer is not really, but. I guess I have a little bit harder time with actors, I think, because I have to like see them and watch their work and sort of think about them a little bit as a person. Not always. Like sometimes you can kind of just get into the character that they're portraying, but, but it is more literally in your face. Yeah, exactly. And so I guess sometimes when I hear about 
you know, a certain actor and there's things that I really just kind of dislike about them, I have a harder time enjoying their work. Like, say, a Tom Cruise kind of comes to mind. Not that I'm aware of something just like awful human being, sort of like the Molly Cruise stuff we're talking about that he did. But just there are a number of things about him that I don't like um, or don't appreciate. And that makes it a little harder to enjoy his work. But at the same time, he's had performances since I was well aware of these things that I was able to set that aside and say, hey, he he did a he did a you know a really good job with that. So I don't know. I mean, I I think we were talking about it the other day, and I was just saying like, if the standard is going to be that to make good art, that you have to be sort of a pristine human being that stands up to scrutiny, it's going to be a really difficult um, thing to do because, frankly, being troubled and struggling in some way is often the root of a lot of really good art. I think especially when it comes to, like, you know, literal art, paintings, etc., music, things like that. But I'm sure acting also. So, you know, if, if that's going to be the standard... You know, <laughs> what art is acceptable, I, I feel like is going to get a little bit more boring because it's people that have seen some stuff, so to speak, that I think tend to 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 make good art. Yeah, trying to have a litmus test doesn't seem like anyone's going to cross that line. Yep. And it but like, where where do you draw the line? Like if someone kills someone or assaults yeah. someone or like. Because I think there are artists that have done that. And... Yeah, I, I mean, and I think that's a good line to draw. I think that for myself, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess I sort of didn't bother to care about Vince Neil. <laughs> but at the same time, I was, you know, 11 to 15 or so. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to cut myself some slack on that. But I would say as I've become an adult for not just artists, but athletes that definitely killing someone is 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 a <laughs> is a no fly zone where I cease to enjoy them or want to support them in any way, shape or form. Um, I think outright blatant assault of uh, of a woman also falls in that category for me. But again, as I said before, like I don't begrudge anybody there, you know, what's kind of OK for them and not OK for them. You know, I think like racism is another one for me, like finding out somebody is a racist. is just I have a hard time enjoying anything about them from that point forward. Yeah, the, I think you have a good point that that music is less in your face. Mm -hmm. You don't have to necessarily look at it. Mm -hmm. you, you just experience it a different way and it's a little bit more distant perhaps from the mm -hmm. people creating it you know it's different if you're going to a concert and, and all that um, but just listening to a song like i don't really have to if i don't choose to confront well what does it mean that i'm listening to motley crew like i don't have right. to i don't have to have that mindset in my head although the next time i fire up the usual suspects there's going to be two hours where I'm looking at Kevin Spacey and I have that <laughs> dissonance of like, yes, exactly. Hey, this, this guy is, uh, maybe problematic and mm -hmm. has 
taken advantage of apparently people in the past. I don't, I haven't read too closely about that whole situation, but mm-hmm. like it exists. Whereas before, I, I love that movie. Like mm-hmm. it just was a very entertaining movie to watch. I thought it was well acted and well written and dynamic. And now all of a sudden there's this cloud that hangs over it. Uh, yep. And I think if some people want to say, you know, hey, this artist created this before the bad behavior and therefore I still want to enjoy this thing, that's fine. If some people want to say, hey, you know what, I'm separating the good art from the horrible person. Like, I want nothing to do with them. I don't want to hand this person a dollar of my money, but um, I still think this is a beautiful piece of art and I want to be able to enjoy that. Like, I don't necessarily have a problem with that either. Um I think one movie I did stop watching, partially because it's it's such an ass to watch it, uh, but Braveheart with Mel Gibson. Yeah. Because it was one of those things where it's like, oh, he seems to be have some really trashy opinions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know if I want to watch a movie just centered around him for three hours or however long that movie is. Even though when it came out, I really enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. thought it was well done. Um, But again, that's, I think the, the visuals are a bit different than the relationship we form with music. Cause I just think the specific songs, specific artists, people develop such an interesting bond with that. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I've seen Braveheart. I don't know. 10 times. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably not even that much, but in terms of like having it on or whatever, but in terms of how many times I've listened to Motley Crue, Mm -hmm. it's just so much more time Mm -hmm. that you would spend with, with that artist, that performer. And then when some information comes up, the challenges you of like, well, do I want to put this in a little box over here that I can keep separate from when I listen to kickstart my heart? (laughs) Right. Yeah, and I think you brought up the Beatles and, you know, John Lennon, certainly, I think, you know, when people read about him, like there's (laughs) some things that people may have a problem with. But and then I'm thinking of like James Brown or I think there's a lot of artists that when you go back a little further and people don't know all of the things about them. Right. Um, I read the whole Keith Richards autobiography i don't how'd that treat you i i mean i enjoyed it i don't remember anything that i read at the time that i was like oh you're a completely awful human being um but he wrote it himself like what what he glazed over or what other people would have to say about things is of course unknown um but you know, I just, I again, I think that if we if we knew everything that all these a, a lot of musical artists that we really put up on a pedestal maybe did, um, we would have to stop listening to their music if that's going to be the standard. Um, when you mentioned earlier this idea that if if art was only created by, I don't know if you said well adjusted. No, I, I didn't say it, but that's fine. Um, but folks who maybe weren't struggling with some type of interpersonal issues, mm-hmm. that art might be really boring. Mm-hmm. Or even straight up mental illness. Like, you know, 
there's a lot of great art made by people that are struggling in some way, shape, or form. And again, I don't and want anybody to interpret that as me saying, like, that makes the behaviors okay. It's just, you know, people are human beings. People do make mistakes, and it's sort of up to each person to decide if we want to forgive them for that or still enjoy their art while recognizing, like, uh, they weren't making the greatest decisions at the time, or maybe, as I've said about my group, we're just straight up not good people at that time. Well, and it's... It seems like if there's no consequences for those actions, you just you learn that. I mean, even going back to that quote that Nikki wrote in the book, that they just yeah. felt invincible. Like right. we did, we did X, Y, and Z, and we got away with it. So if we don't learn that this is a problem, then we're going to keep doing it and doing it more. And like, and they show it in the movie where and Nikki overdoses on heroin and he wakes up in the hospital people think people think he's dead and he leaves the hospital ama so against medical advice he leaves the hospital and he's just out on the street and some female fans find him and take him back to his house and he gets back to his house i think he leaves that message he says you know this is nikki i can't answer the phone because i'm dead and he shoots up heroin again. Mm-hmm. It's there's plenty of people out there who are, you know, using drugs or addicted to drugs, and you talk, talk about mental illness, and they were in and out of, of rehab a, a bunch of times. So it's not like anyone who uses heroin is a bad person. No, it, it's not about that. And his childhood was very, very challenging. It goes. It's sort of hinted at that in the movie, but it goes into more detail in the book where he's he's bouncing around all over the country with different relatives. And but yeah, he had a really hard life and channeled that into the, this music that on some levels is very effective. Right. And in, in connecting with I wouldn't say I mean, some angst, but just a a drive, a motivation, a energy of unrest and wanting to sort of lash out at the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that connected with a lot of fans who certainly young people who kind of need that. And I think bands came around in the nineties that did it in a little bit of a different way with more of that angst feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting in the movie that they, they hint at that. And it was, it was an interesting shot because they had, it was just an establishing scene where they're all talking, but outside there was a wall painted in Pearl Jam's uh, Ten album. Yep. Which they don't ever they don't ever mention it, but it's there, and I feel like it was a pretty big statement by the band that just was like music was changing and mm-hmm. it wasn't us anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice that? Yeah, I did. Um, there's a lot of little subtle things like that. Like they really gloss over who was there when uh, when Nikki Six does overdose. Like they show Slash on the couch, but not as involved as he apparently <laughs> was in that situation. But yeah, no, I did. I did notice and appreciate that subtle, you know, nod to a, a different uh, time. 
so it's interesting how the book and the the movie ends concludes because the the book strangely spends a lot of time in the final chapters it's a lot of tom and and pamela anderson or, or tommy and pamela anderson i should say it's a lot about their relationship he hits her or pushes her ends up in in jail for quite some time it's some of his poetry and writings from from jail that's totally skipped over in the movie they don't even Pamela Anderson's not even in the movie at all and the movie ends again on a bit of a high note of they all reconcile realize that they've made mistakes along the way but they're still friends and then it has a montage of them you know spoiler alert they're playing in a con they're playing a concert and it's just has you know Motley Crue performed for the next 20 years together and I think their last concert was in 2015 so the movie ends on this high note of like here's the story of these four troubled guys they mm-hmm. they had some trials they figured it out they stayed friends they worked out their differences got better and conquered all mm-hmm. that doesn't seem accurate to me <laughs> yeah so like the way you know I've always thought about Motley Crue is you know definitely uh, a phenomenon of sort of in the in the 80s and then pretty just felt like they flamed out from you know after Dr. Feelgood which is 89 I don't know if I could name a Motley Crue song after that yep so they didn't put out another, they put out a self-titled album in 94. And I, I don't even believe that's, I think that's the one with the other singer. Yeah. Um, so they're, they had basically an eight year run where they were one of the sort of biggest artists in, in the planet in some ways. Like I remember being coming home from high school every day and Home Sweet Home was on MTV like every day. Mm-hmm. That video was everywhere. And it just seemed like, I think I mentioned this on Twitter. I remember watching that video and being like, man, it must be so hard to be on the road. <laughs> <laughs> what an exhausting job. And really, you mm-hmm. read in the book, it's they could barely film that video because they were all so high and mm-hmm. drunk all the time. Um, but again, teenage me wasn't thinking that way. Mm-hmm. You know, we just didn't have didn't have the uh, you know I was naive. I didn't have the information, uh, right? And yeah, they got together, and I think they probably had some successful tours, but they've haven't put out, um, I think, a meaningful album since Doctor Feelgood, and that's thirty years ago. Well, let's be honest. I mean, meaningful is kind of a. <laughs> Giving them a lot of credit to begin with. Meaningful to you is differently than I, I would say noteworthy. Perhaps. Right. Maybe right. that's a better word. It's not like I'm comparing it to Nevermind or Jagged Little Pill, which just I'm saying that to set you off. Uh, <laughs> that was a whole big thing. That's that's a whole other topic. There was there was an article about Jagged Little Pill that seemed purposely just to rile up fans because mm-hmm. uh, they compared it to Baby Shark and just the internet went nuts <laughs> for about three hours. <laughs> which which was actually kind of funny, but sort of like eye-rolling at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
No, and I, I mean, I'm glad those guys are alive. I hope they're doing well. I, they all have families and, and whatnot. Um, but it, it seems like it's a story of lost potential in some ways. I mean, I guess there's the, the movie seems to strike a tone of resilience and triumph and the book necessarily doesn't have that same vibe because the book was put out in 2001 where I, I think everything was still very much unsettled and they were they didn't know what the next you know 15 plus years of their lives were going to be like mm-hmm. so it just it kind of ends a little clumsily it's like hey all this stuff happened and we're still alive and we're still here and we're Motley Crue and rock on mm-hmm. so it's it, it's just an odd narr- it's an odd narrative to celebrate in general like the fact that there's this next Netflix movie that's being pretty popularly promoted and it's like hey look at these guys and I don't know it's just the whole thing strikes me as weird yeah no I agree that was one thing I was going to say earlier is um, even when the book was written in uh, 2001 to me the landscape was pretty different than 2019 and I mean obviously I'm sure the movie had been in production for a little while but it's kind of a weird thing to me that given where we have been recently Again, with like the Me Too movement and other things that somebody at Netflix was like, yeah, we should totally do a Motley Crue biopic right now. Like that's and not only do they do it, but, you know, by and large, people are kind of excited to see it. Um, yeah, and, we're, we're talking about it. I, I saw the trailer. I'm like, wow, that's a really good trailer. I want to watch that. And it motivated yeah. me to read the book. And yep. Yep. And I mean, I was uh, I'll just own it. I was, you know, kind of excited to see it, even though I've seen the, you know, behind the music. I knew by and large what was coming. Um, I, you know, I knew they probably are not or not. Probably I knew they were not very good human beings. And yet I'm still in some way interested to watch this movie um, in part because it's again, it's sort of. It's not like Motley Crue is like the fabric of my childhood, but, you know, it was one of those things that was there that that there were moments with that. Like I talked about the Halloween thing. So, you know, I I know I'm supposed to uh, in creating media, I'm supposed to take like these hard positions and we're supposed to yell and scream at each other and cause controversy. But (laughs) I don't you got to You got to take out your hot take chair. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't have super strong conclusions about these things. And I, and people I, aren't coming to childhood ruin to hear hot takes. If, if they are waiting for those, <laughs> they, they've moved on a long time ago. They're but, here for nuanced conversation. All right, good. But I, you know, I, 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 again, I, I just, I don't really have a problem with where anyone wants to come down on any of these things other than if they want to come down on like, Oh, like, you know, no big deal. Like I'm, I'm not really okay with that. But you know, if people want to decide that they shouldn't watch or listen or support anything about this band, um, based on who they were, like, I don't really have a problem with that. Um, and if they want to take more of the approach of, you know, separating the quote unquote art, I, I have a little bit of a hard time calling Motley Crue art, but it is, um, from the artists, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that too. Well, it's interesting because another movie that came out a few years ago was Straight Outta Compton, yep. which profiles four young men who 
you know, some of them were dealing drugs and mm -hmm. other things that, you know, people would say like, oh, these are bad guys. And I feel like there was way more pushback and outcry or not just about that movie. And like, oh, we shouldn't be celebrating NWA. Like this was this was not good for music. And like, I just feel like there were articles, there were there were segments about that topic. Mm -hmm. And that movie was also very critically acclaimed and I think was spoken about highly in, in, mm -hmm. in critical film circles. And at the same time, it was there is critiqued or people people had some of those hot takes or they had opinions. Mm -hmm. Whereas this, I mean, it's it's a Netflix release. It's a smaller blip on the radar, perhaps mm -hmm. for folks. And in terms of meaningfulness of Motley Crue versus NWA, there's not a comparison there, uh, I would argue. Mm -hmm. And the elephant in the room is that I just think, again, four white kids can get away with a lot more than four kids of color. Yeah, I agree. And that that just also seems part of it to me. Like, hey, these look at these wacky scamps in the 80s getting away with all this stuff. It's, mm -hmm. like, it's like that would not fly mm -hmm. if these kids look differently. Yeah, I agree. So I, I don't know. That just it just seems odd to celebrate. I don't know. And I but I and I haven't looked around that much, but I haven't seen those articles. I haven't seen those segments and, and maybe just everything moves so fast these days that maybe <laughs> it popped up or maybe just people like, oh, whatever, Motley Crue, it's, they're insignificant. Yeah. And I mean, I do think that there is some truth to the fact of, you know, like one movie is a theatrical release and in some ways, like touches on a number of issues that we as a society are still struggling with talking about like the NWA movie, whereas Motley Crue, as you pointed out, like they have not really been particularly relevant. I mean, I know they were still touring and people were still showing up, but aside from that, like there was no new music. They weren't really, um, you know, in the <laughs> they weren't in the bullseye at all and then this is on netflix and i just i think there's kind of fatigue there like everybody kind of that knows anything about them sort of knows that they were there was bad behavior and it's kind of like well yeah whatever we're 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 talking about bad behavior again and i'm sure there are articles out there where people are rightfully pointing out that you know why are why are we celebrating doing this movie that about basically that these are bad people <laughs> but uh, you know again it takes a lot to really break into the news cycle these days so well it, we talked about it a few episodes ago with bohemian rhapsody how you know that film glosses over quite a bit of important factors in, in queen's history and mm -hmm. the history of freddie mercury mm -hmm. my, my wife read a kind of a thorough biography about about the band and freddie mercury that i want to read myself but she had commented that it's just we like to look at things through nostalgia mm -hmm. i mean we talked about that with the toys r us <laughs> episode mm -hmm. just thinking about our, our fond memories about toys r us and Kind of looking back, I, I, I think people will will forgive a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, and now there's a whole industry about cultivating that and selling it, mm -hmm. which maybe it's always been there, but it, it definitely seems to be kicking into high gear. And now these, 
you know, documentaries about or kind of movies about bands. It's, I think there's one coming up about Elton John and I mean, it even goes back like walk the line was a big one. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just the whole nostalgia thing I find just fascinating because it's, it's happening with star Wars. I talked to on the other podcast I do, I talk with a guy that directed the, the director of fanboys, the star Mm -hmm. Wars flick and just talking about nostalgia and how that's packaged. It's, it's just interesting. I don't know exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) which is awesome mm-hmm. on a podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. I just think we have to be thoughtful about what we're celebrating and what message that sends. Right. And in now and our time now, not so much mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like my son's two, so it's not going to come up, but there's going to mm-hmm. come a point in time where he's maybe listening to Motley Crue and I'm going to have to have that conversation with him. <laughs> what do I say? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Your son's older. He's I mean, he he's listening to Motley Crue. No, he's not. He I don't think he has any idea who they are. Um, <laughs> and like, why, I, is this, why is it spelled that way? Silly. <laughs> and I honestly, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. But I think, I mean, again, think back to us when we listened to Motley Crue. Was it important to us that there was the bad behavior? Like, I'm Maybe it was to some people, but it wasn't to me. Um, do we know about the bad behavior? Like, no. Like, you're usually just listening to a song because you like the song. Um, a lot of times I was listening to songs and the lyrical content was going way over my head. So I think as parents, we always want to come storming in and be like imparting life lessons and did you know and this is what this means and uh, make sure the kids, you know, understand that which is good and well-intentioned but a lot of the stuff just kind of goes over your head when you're 13 or 14 you just you like the song well one of the other things this one of the things i definitely want to bring up is i think one of the first pieces of exposure i had to motley crew at least visually was the too young to fall in love video Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm which I don't know if videos are even a thing now. Like if, yeah, yeah, kids, soon. kids, kids watch them on YouTube now. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, but if you've never seen the too young to fall in love video, do yourself a favor, go to YouTube and watch it. <laughs> I'm not sure that do yourself a favor is this this the phrase that should precede that, but continue. This is the second time you've corrected me. Like I don't know if meaningful is a fair <laughs> term to use with Motley Crue. But so, go ahead. Listen, you once recommended Beastmaster to people. Hell yeah, I very, did. On this very podcast. So let's, with with the glass houses, let's settle down. <laughs> yeah. Yes, your so, point about the video. Yes, my point is, so they're all in their, their costumes, basically. Mm-hmm. I think they're in some type of Asian restaurant or bathhouse. Yes. And then I believe some type of sword fight or something breaks out. It's Mm -hmm. really spectacular. It's just. (laughs) You keep using these words, and I don't (laughs) think they mean what you think they mean. They mean what they think it means. It's. It just feels like, you know, again, this, this is probably like 84 or so, 83, 84, when this video came out. So I'm 
Well, I was born in 76, so I'm like, yeah, like eight, nine, somewhere around there. Um, so seeing this, it just seemed like these guys were from another planet. Like, what right. is happening? What is mm-hmm. what is going on? Who are these people? And I don't know if that type of experience can happen now with the way media works. Like, maybe it does. I don't know. Um, I think you have to really carefully cultivate it if you wanted to. I mean, I think that's why some artists have gone to, like, not revealing their identity, like wearing something that hides their face or things like that. Because it's kind of the only way to sort of try to create that mysticism around who you are. Because otherwise, everybody knows everything in 20 seconds, thanks to the Internet. But yeah, but if like you're you happen to be not old people like us and like young and trying to think about like why did people care about this band like their music's not that good I don't get it 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 was a lot about image yeah <laughs> I mean it's they they were selling themselves as as a product and they definitely lived that life and that fed into that image and it obviously f- fed into itself and produced some pretty bad behavior. But I think once again, it goes back to this idea of fandom, like once once you're a fan of something, like what will it take for you to not be a fan of that anymore? Right. I think about it with Star Wars and it's on my mind because celebrations this week. So as we're recording this, more than likely the trailer is going to come out tomorrow for whatever they're calling the next movie. The title mm-hmm. will probably come out, too. Mm-hmm. So by the time I, this is posted, like the trailer will be out, the title will be out and um like I don't know what it would take for me to to think like yeah like I'm I'm just not a fan of that movie Jar Jar Binks even the prequels I have so <laughs> much I have so many good experiences wrapped up in well yeah like, me too but waiting Jar Jar in Binks. line for that movie and but yeah, even that's... Jar Jar Binks like the actor have you heard about the actor behind that and how he almost ended his life because of how things went with that film and the backlash he got and. Like he's a big advocate for depression and, and suicide now, and trying to get people connected to treatment. Good for him. The answer is still Jar Jar Binks. Fair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just think that fandom, which can promote this kind of toxic behavior and gatekeeping and all these other things. Yeah. I think you, once you have an allegiance to something, it's it's a challenge to break that. And we've talked about it a bit, even with football. And mm-hmm. We grew up with football. Mm-hmm. We like watching football. Mm-hmm. At one time, we both had teams that we rooted for. Mm-hmm. And I think as we got older and just we found out more about football and who runs it and how people can get injured playing it. And I'm less of a fan. I yep. still watch it. Yep. It's it's not something I've said like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not supporting that anymore. But it's, it's getting there. It's more complicated for sure. Yeah. And... With wrestling, which is going to be a future episode, like uh-huh. we grew up with professional wrestling and have very fond memories about that, and yep. there's some reprehensible stuff that goes on in that industry too. Yeah, people, and you can do your homework. You want? Have you seen the uh, the bit from uh, the John Oliver show about? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I saw the, the headlines, but I mean, I'm aware of that whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear what people think about this and if your if your answer is 
you guys are thinking way too much about Molly Crew. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I think that that's is a fair, that is a true. fair response. That is yeah. absolutely a fair yep. response. I, I wholeheartedly agree with the people that have that take. Do you have any uh, parting thoughts on this? I just want to make sure we touch all the topics we were discussing ahead of time. Uh, I mean, no, I think I think we've. I mean, there were other things we could have maybe talked about, but I I think this is a good good point to to call it a night. One thing I do want to mention that didn't come up in our conversation is just bravo to whoever cast Ramsey Bolton as Mick Mars. <laughs> right. Yeah, just the the genius. acting overall in that movie was eh, but uh but yeah, uh, the the uh, Mick Mars is one of the better casting choices. It always felt like I was watching Ramsey Bolton in a bad wig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean that as a slight against the the gentleman that plays him. I think that's just such an iconic character. Right. And it's hard to think of him as somebody other than the awfulness that was Ramsey Bolton. Mm -hmm. I think he does a very good job in this movie. Mm -hmm. And if you read the book, like I said, the chapters by Mick Mars are just very interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. the way he writes and some of his thoughts. But just to see him in the movie from time to time, just with this look in his eyes. Right. Like I kept waiting for him to set dogs on other people. Right. Um, but just really well done. I, I thought the other act acting was, was it wasn't distracting. Nah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's not great. I don't know if any of these folks were in other movies that, that you would know. Uh, I was looking up Nikki Six because he's kind of the lead guy. Right. The guy that plays Vince Neil, I think, is the same guy that had a fairly prominent role in the first season of The Punisher. I, I could be wrong about that, but I think it was the same guy. It's That's listed on his IMDb page. Mm-hmm. Lewis Walcott mm-hmm. in The Punisher. Yeah, he was... He was all right, and mm. he has some emotional scenes to get through with everything that happened with Vince's daughter, which sounds absolutely just horrific. His daughter had a huge tumor and died of cancer and just awful. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think if if you ever had any uh, interest in Motley Crue at all, the movie's worth watching. I, I think it's yeah. done pretty well. Yep. Uh, it's very, very stylish, and they incorporate the music. And mm-hmm. like I said, it does end... It ends with a neat bow. That's <laughs> not necessarily true, yes, but and I yeah, don't no, think that de- bow is as neat. Definitely, people should if if they have any interest, watch it and you know, add us on Twitter. Let us know how you feel. Let us know where your line is. Uh, After you do yourself a favor and watch the "Too Young to Fall in Love" video. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Uh, where where can they find you if you want to remind? Uh, me? <laughs> that is at Geekzinga on Twitter. Yeah, at the IDM. And what else we have on? We had talked about some future topics, so the wrestling one might happen. Some similar conversation, but maybe not as navel gazing. Right. We talked about doing the View Askew Universe. Yep. Rewind a bit with mm-hmm. Jay and Silent Bob reboot being filmed at the yep. moment. Which I don't even know what to think about that, but I'm definitely going to go watch it. Yep. And the, the of course, the underrated, overrated 80s and 90s. Yes, absolutely. Forms. With special guest Matt Damon. 
He's going to, yep, you know, we just mm-hmm. keep trying to work out the schedules. Yep, absolutely. Sooner, sooner or later. All right, sir. Well, we will hopefully uh, sit down soon yep. and record again. Absolutely. So let's see. What what song? Been listening to different cruise songs throughout. Let's, uh, I guess, going out to the wild side sounds about right. All right. We'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, see, I think, you know, this music still does make you feel something besides, like, wow, these... I shouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> uh-huh. Compl- complicated, complicated feelings. I'm not all air right. drumming at all. Are you spinning around in midair air drumming? <laughs> I'm wishing I was. <laughs> yeah. All right, on that note, see you all later. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening to our episode of Childhood Ruin this week. We will be back. We talked about some future topics that we want to cover. The best way to follow along with the pod is to follow along on iTunes or Podbean. You can subscribe to the show. That's always really helpful to us. If you want to support the show, you can uh, definitely leave us a review. That would be amazing. Uh, spreading the word, uh, sharing it with other people, whatever, whatever forum you have would be wonderful. And like I mentioned before, you can certainly uh, interact with us on Twitter. That's the easiest way to get in touch with us. And we'll be back with future episodes. Take care.